Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us on the podcast, Victor and Sarah Kabutha. We got to meet each other uh, on the side of a soccer field in Nairobi, Kenya. Our sons were playing soccer together at Rosalind Academy, and we became fast friends. These are people that I dearly respect. They love Jesus. They love others. They value relationships. They want to see people have healthy and whole relationships, whether that's in marriage or just in general in life. The other thing they have a passion for is to see leaders be healthy. And so just uh, when I was thinking and praying about who to have on the podcast in this month of February to discuss marriage and relationships, um, yeah, they came to mind. They had graciously agreed to be on the podcast, and it was a fun, fun time. You're going to learn a ton. I learned a ton from them, and uh, just really appreciate them taking some time out of their day to spend some time with me. My internet did not cooperate. You would think a connection between Nairobi and Nairobi would be quick, but you will notice that's not them. It's on me. Um, I've done my best to edit it the best I could, but it was just my internet was in and out. Yeah, it's amazing. My internet will connect around the world, but when you're just about a mile, mile and a half away, it didn't work too good that day. But anyway, great time with them. Do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we get to sit down with Dick Foth. You get to learn from him. Listeners send in questions. I curate those questions. And uh, yeah, it's just always a phenomenal time to spend um, with Dick and learn from his uh, his years of experience and his love for people and love for Jesus. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with some friends I met in Kenya that uh, it's it's a little odd to be doing this via Zoom because we live in the same country. We don't actually don't live that far from each other. But Victor and Sarah Kabutha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you so much. Um, we got to meet each other when our, our sons were playing soccer, or at least that's when I, uh, the first time I remember. And um, yeah. But you both uh, have a heart and passion for marriages and families. Before we jump into all the questions I have for you, will you share a little bit about yourselves um, before we jump into some of the questions? Uh, well, I'm uh, Reverend Victor. This is my wife, Sarah. Uh, we're the Kabutha family. Uh, we've been married since the year 2000. So it's easy for me to keep count. How many years have I been married? It's 2024, <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we're passionate about uh, men and women. Uh, we're passionate about Christ. Family and marriage basically uh, is, our, is, our, is our focus. So. so we have an organization that's called Transformation Ministries Africa, or TMA for short. Um, we founded it in uh, 2006. And we do a lot of the things that uh, he mentioned, working with men, women, youth, um, but the overall umbrella is marriage and specifically in the church, in partnering with local churches to equip their and support their ministries, but especially their leaders. Uh, One of our main things that we ask is who ministers to the ministers. So the people who are in leadership, whether it's pastors, people in lay leader positions, people in the marketplace who are in leadership positions, when they're struggling, particularly in their relationship, where do they go? Where is the safe space? So that's why our main focus is there. When you have a healthy family, you have healthy churches, healthy communities, healthy nations. Amen. Amen. And the uh, majority of the people listening to this this podcast will resonate with exactly what you just said. So for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So we're talking about marriage today, family. Can you both share or one of you share how you got how you both met and kind of that part of the story? 
<laughs> well, you're the one holding the umbrella, so tell the story. <laughs> so Victor was born and raised here in Kenya. Um, my parents, I was born in the States. I was born in Florida. Um, but when I was five years old, my parents uh, moved to Kenya um, and felt God calling them into missions. And um, we went to a particular church. Victor grew up in a, in a different church. And then he happened to come and visit one day um, our youth group. I was very active in youth group, worship team and all that. And I know the date we met. It was June 12th, 1993. Wow. Because I wrote in my diary, today I met this guy at church called Victor, and I can't get him out of my head. That's the exact things I wow. wrote. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and we just got to talking. We both found out we're both passionate about music. And uh, I, you know how you ask, like, oh, what are you doing now? And Victor said, like, really slowly, like, I wouldn't know where it was. He said, I'm preparing to go to Moody Bible Institute in the wow. States. And I always planned on going to movie as well. My dad graduated from there. So that was kind of the connection. Sure. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> Victor, what was the name of your singing group? I remember at your birthday party, they talked about your the singing group yeah. you were a part of. What was it? What was it called again? It was called The Boys with a Z or a Z. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Boys. Yeah. So it was fully a cappella music and just basically scripture songs. Yeah. Is what it was. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very cool. I mean, many people, you can actually Google the, the a cappella company. Like they just okay. had all these songs and, and a cappella hymns. There was Glad, I think was another yeah. group that did a lot yeah. of a cappella music. And we just we just like copied it and just like sang for okay. young men. Yeah, yeah. That was singing a cappella music. Yeah. Um, so you both have a ha- what I would consider a happy cross-cultural marriage. Uh, what are some joys and challenges of cross-cultural marriages and how have you navigated integrating both cultures into your marriage? So that is a, that's a big question. Uh, it's, a, it's a deep pool of conversation. So Sarah said it, I was born and raised in Kenya and I felt God's call to minister. I ended up in Bible school in the U.S., now, most cross-cultural relationships, like I'll be minding my own business. This American lady comes into Kenya and I'm like, hi, my name is, and let me tell you about my culture. When I met Sarah, she was already in Kenya from the time she was five years old. Um, so in the Kikuyu culture, one of the names is Jerry. So when I introduced myself to her, she told me that her name was Jerry. And I'm like, where did you get? Well, I've lived in Kenya since I was five years old. So her earliest memory about my culture. Her earliest, um, yeah, her earliest experiences are in the culture that I grew up in. Then fast forward to our relationship when I'm at Moody, because she may not have gone to Moody too. I mean, that was me going because I went ahead of her. So God confirmed in our relationship that at that point she came to Moody and we're like, yep, that's it. So I get to live in the U.S. for about eight years in total from, from the time I did my bachelor's, my master's degree, worked a little bit and then got into ministry, raised to come back to Kenya. So even as we're coming back to Kenya, Kenya was home already for Sarah. Both of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of, like, that's a big deal for me, is I knew, I got to know her culture, I got to live in her culture, I met her grandparents, I met, like, I did Thanksgiving, a thousand Thanksgivings, went through Chicago winter, like, so these ways <laughs> that I know the U.S., like, on my own, like, on my own terms. I mean, when I went to college, of course, I had to open bank accounts and pay your taxes and 
and stay in status. Like, okay, that's another whole side. But so I was minding my own business as a Kenyan living in the US. And Sarah is a, an American living in Kenya. So she knew my world and I got to know her world. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, because I know many cross-cultural things may not be, um, that one may not be exposed to the culture of the other person. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. but we, we have a unique story in that sense. One of the yeah. things we like to emphasize is that like, let's say if we asked your, your listeners to compare just by looking at Victor and I, and let's say looking at you and Heather, you know, and they were, we were to ask them, if you look just by looking at us two couples, which one do you assume has more, I don't know if I would say conflict, but challenges. Challenge. And people, we do this all the time in our seminars and people automatically will say, Victor and I, why? Because you can tell that we come from different places. Sure. But yeah. one of the things we've learned, every marriage is a cross-cultural marriage. It doesn't matter if you even grew up as neighbors across the street your whole lives. The fact that you were born into a different family, a family that has different traditions, even if you're from the same culture, each individual family has their own traditions, experiences, yeah. things that you've gone through. And yeah. so it's it's helped us to think of it that way, that we're not always just, you know, cross-culture just because of us, but that we yeah. start to understand each other. Every marriage is a cross-cultural marriage. Yeah. Very, very good point. And um, I think I think that's this segue into different conversations, but come back. I think a lot of times when we see missions teams, people join a team thinking we're all Americans, so we're all going to see everything the same way. Yes. And it's really not. You know, I mean, I'm I'm from West Virginia. You're talking about Chicago. Those are in Florida, you know, those three states were, you know, or three parts of the United States were mentioned. Very different, wow. you know, different, no, different ways true. of doing things, different ways of seeing things. And as you said, mixing family in. Um, you know, there can be lots of uh, lots of misunderstandings just because we think that all Americans or maybe all Kenyans do it this way when there's some yes. vast differences yes. of ways to do it in the family. So great, great point. Yeah. Great, great point. Yeah. yeah. Part of your ministry is premarital counseling with couples. What are some areas that you focus on? Because I know there's people that listen into the podcast. They're in that stage. You know, they're either courting, dating, mm -hmm. looking to get married. What are some key areas that you focus in on? So for us, premarital is so important. It's one of our favorite things that we do because yeah. we're helping to lay a foundation and you're dealing with couples who, yes, there's going to be probably they've had some challenges already in their relationship, but there's not a whole lot of baggage like that you have when you're doing crisis counseling with a couple that's been married 15 years. And so really it's about looking at that foundation. So we talk about, we start right from the beginning and talk about, again, the family background. Where, where are you coming from? Where's your worldview? You know, what are the things and experiences? We talk about how you don't get to choose right from birth. Nobody gets to choose where they're born, what country, to what family, to what kind of family dynamics. But then as life goes on and you get older, you start being able to make your own choices. But those choices are dictated by the experiences you've had. And so we talk, we start off as that, is that you're not born married. So who are you as an individual? And then we progress from there and say, okay, now that you're getting uh, into this covenant, what does that look like? We call it sort of like on a phone. You know, if yeah. you have an issue with your phone, you can go and sometimes they'll tell you to restore factory default settings. True. So we talk about your family of origin is your factory default. That's your normal. 
And it's both good, positive and, and negative things that have happened to you, but it's your normal. So my normal is different from his normal. So, but we're going to have to make one normal. What's our new normal going to look like? That's where the culture thing comes in again, too. How do we celebrate birthdays and 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 Christmases and, and holidays? How important are those things? If there's, you have to have the communication. So communication is throughout our whole program is huge as well, is just keeping on. Sometimes we tell them we're like a broken record and that's on purpose to get it in your mind that communication is key, constant, you know, confirming, did I hear you right? What are we going to do about this? So we talk a lot about the importance of the covenant. We talk about um, how to manage finances. We talk about intimacy, talk about pretty much everything. Um, and the one thing we always emphasize, we don't have a specific topic about spiritual growth because Christ is in everything. It's not a separate topic. It's something that we integrate into the entire conversation. What does the Bible say about this? What is what is our, our worldview according to Christ for this as well? So those are just some of the things that we, we do. Great word. Great word. One of the stories I tell, uh, it was I think it was in my first book, I... You know, talking about different ways of doing things in family and expectations. So first Thanksgiving, I spend with Heather's parents. I grew up, my dad would put a piece of pie in a bowl and pour milk in the bowl and eat it. So Heather, you know, we wanted pie. And she said, hey, give me a piece of pie. So and I she wanted milk with it. So her dad and I were standing up in the kitchen and I, we're cutting the pieces of pie, I like big pieces of pie. So I like to cut my own. And um, I was cutting the pie. Well, then I started pouring milk into the bowl. And he said, are, are you what What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and I said, well, she said she wanted milk with her pie. He said, I don't think she wanted it that way. But anyway, it's a small thing, right? It's a small thing. We're talking yeah. about apple pie, which actually is a big thing to me. But it was a, and that was a small thing. Yeah. But it was just yeah. a simple matter. Matter of communication to me, my context was apple pie meant you pour the you pour the milk on the pie, eat it like that. Heather thought it was coming in a glass, and the pie would be separate. So small thing, no big argument, but just you can realize how communication. You think you're communicating, Absolutely. and uh, you're not necessarily doing doing so great of a job. So anyway, yeah, yeah. couples navigating conflict. Any thoughts on that? You know, conflict I'm is kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go right back to the pie. So <laughs> was it was it wrong or was it different? Now Sarah talked about normals. Yeah. But I think many times if she does something that's not that's not within the boundaries of my normal, it's yeah. wrong. Hmm. But it's not wrong, it's just different. The milk <laughs> does the milk go in a glass or does it go over to the pie? Sure. And so I think that that's where a lot of the conflict stuff comes in is hmm. I actually label what she does if it looks different from what I used to right. as being wrong. And many things are just different, but mm. they're not necessarily. And then culturally, too, there are many things that a culture could do. And OK, then, OK, we need to get into the scriptures as well. Like, what is your standard? So there are some cultural practices that may be outside of where the scripture would be, yes, mm. and amen. You know, it's kind of like, okay, this is against the scriptures. So then that's not a case of just being different. It it it, it goes in conflict with the word of God. So then there's a conversation to be had there. But in terms of like just things, the way you eat food or when you have it or what do you do for Thanksgiving? Do you have Thanksgiving? What do you do for Easter, Christmas? And then, and then the family dynamics, I think that's where, for me, I think I'm just a student. Like the way I have become 
um, in my marriage, I'm always studying what Sarah is like. So I want to find out what is normal for her. What is, and I think, you know, you think the more years you're married, the more you establish it. But for me, it's like, no, you, you have to keep growing. Marriage has, marriage has different seasons. So in each season, it's like, I want to study her and find out even more than I knew before. I mean, if you have a, a diploma, then you can go from a diploma to a degree. And then if you get a degree and I have a, a bachelor degree, I can go to a master's degree. Like, how well do I know my wife? And keep going, get doctorate and... Yeah, I think it's that thing of conflict usually comes from two things, assumptions and, and expectations. And yeah. both of those things happen because, again, of the lack of good communication skills. So or, or just not realizing you even need to talk about these things. So I he will say something or do something and I will make an assumption why would he do that? He did that to intentionally to hurt me, you know, and, and, and then it be, instead of me stopping and, and one of the things we like to emphasize is especially when you're in a place where you're having conflict or disagreement or misunderstanding, seek first to understand. So if he says something and, and it's interesting for us who've been married for decades, you would think by now we yeah. know each other, you know, but we always are reminding each other, I still can't read his mind. He still cannot read my mind. And so if there's something that one of us says that may hurt the other person or, you know, cause some sort of tension, instead of just attacking it, first, wait, what I heard you say is this. Is this what you meant to say? So it's teaching people to have those basic communication skills of stopping Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are the assumptions happening here? What are expectations that we may have of each other that we didn't even discuss? <laughs> so that that's some of the things that helps. Yeah. <laughs> Good, word. Good word. Good word. So, Victor, that's the first time I've heard the uh, different and wrong. That's a great context to consider. Yeah. And Sarah, uh, assumption and expectations. Those are those are yeah. both great nuggets. Um, when it comes to conflict, I was listening to, I think, a sermon this morning, and the the pastor was talking about the idea that in marriage, um, a lot of th the marriages that separate when we we learn more about ourselves, but the our spouse tells it tells us those things not in love, but marriages that grow closer together is yes, you're going to see things in somebody else, but sharing that in love and and in his experience, it's they're both telling the truth. It's just the way they tell the truth to their spouse. If you tell the truth yeah. to your spouse in love, the marriage can draw closer together. But if you if you tell the truth to your spouse, maybe not in respectful ways or not in loving ways, then it causes the marriage to grow apart. But anyway, yeah, it's a, a very, very, yeah, that different, different wrong. And uh, back to the apple pie and assumption and expectations. Yeah. Those are those are those are good, good, good ones. When it yeah. comes to a happy biblical marriage. Um, how would you describe a happily biblical marriage? And is is a happy biblical marriage for everyone? So let me say this from Genesis. Adam and Eve, creation, and then it says creation was, you know, Genesis 1 going into 2, it says then all of creation was completed in all its vast array. It says that Adam and Eve were naked, but they were not ashamed. I think the biblical view of marriage is that I'm actually completely transparent, just naked. I mean, like, how else do you describe naked? Like, Sarah sees me in my high points. She sees me in my low points. 
She sees my strengths. She sees my weaknesses. And for me, that's the biblical picture of marriage, that God put them in a way where um, they were completely vulnerable to each other. Now, as a man, though, I think there are ways that I want to paint a picture. We, we always tell this in, in our premarital courses, like um, the first few days you're married, like you also want to wake up at, at what, 3 a.m., like brush your teeth and then like make up your face <laughs> and then come back to bed and be like, good morning. <laughs> I'm like, no. Yeah. After like one week, it's it like, doesn't last, it doesn't last. <laughs> <laughs> Who I am. So, so there, there is a biblical sense that marriage is painted in a way that is vulnerable. It's it's a place where I'm still, so I'm still growing in my own journey, but now I'm married. So whatever I'm still growing with, growing through or struggling through, Sarah gets to watch me going through that. And you've spoken about, you know, how do you speak the truth in love to your spouse? How do you build one other one another up? I think for me, Sarah is Sarah is a source of the augmentation of God's call in my life. Um, so now where it becomes tricky is I have to be growing in Christ on my own. And then Sarah brings that in. So she's watching me grow. She's she's helping me grow. But if I'm not willing to grow, the, the biblical point of view of marriage then is shifted. Is it about me now? Like, what do I want? And if it's not the biblical foundation, then I'm asking Sarah for what I need from her. I'm telling her, if you don't give me this, then I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Like, it's almost like you make... So, and I think people have their top 10. Like you ask them, you know, who do you want to get married to? And they have a list and I'm like, so what happens if one guy comes? Because everybody's still growing. So what if he only has three? I think I don't one of those items if there was a list. And I've grown into the man who I am today because of being with Sarah. So I think there's an aspect in a biblical perspective that your spouse makes, makes the gifting that is in you come out. Um, and so the marriages that miss that potential is when they get lost in the conflict. They get they get lost in, in the nakedness. Hey, I can see all of you. It's like, cover yourself up, you know? So it's almost like you want to be, you're, you're painting a picture of yourself, a false picture of yourself to your spouse. And you can't maintain that. I mean, marriage is 24-7, strengths and weakness. I mean, and the vows, think about it. It's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sick. It even says sickness. It doesn't even say health first. It's like in sickness or in health. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. for life. So, yeah. yeah, that's what I would say. I, I think you also have to go back to the basics. Where did marriage come from? Who came up with the idea of marriage? Yeah. And, you know, for us as believers, we know that it's God. God came up with the idea of marriage. So you, we are entering into an institution that is not man-made. And what often happens That's is that good. we get in there, and but, but it's not man-made, and God has made it clear with through his word right. what the expectations are there. But we what often happens is we try to alter, you know, the we, we try to alter the well, you know, we don't like that word submit, especially as ladies in this day and age. So we're gonna, you know, change that a bit and modify. But you, you know, you asked is biblical marriage for everyone. If God created marriage <laughs> and he yeah. put a blueprint for how to do it, then yeah. of course, the, the, the best way to do marriage, I, I normally say, and we, we counsel couples all the time who may not be believers, but we always give a sort of a disclaimer. I don't know how to talk about being, I don't, I don't know if I say a good wife or having a healthy marriage, 
without the role of God, because I don't know how to do it without him. So it goes back to that, who created, God created marriage, God has given us the blueprint, and, and I love that picture that I have in my mind sometimes, that he doesn't, God doesn't create things that are doomed to fail. He doesn't create something and then sit over and look at us. Oh, look yeah. at Aaron and Heather. I bet they're going to have a conflict today. Let me see how they you. Sure. No. <laughs> he has given us what we need and he has equipped us and we have a stand. It's the standard again, yeah. which is what helps again with the conflict, with the cross culture and all that. When your standard and foundation is Christ, hmm. you have something. <laughs> yeah. The normal becomes that. Sure. And that becomes, let's go back to the this every time. Yeah. That's yeah, a good word. Good word. God doesn't create things, design things to fail. That's a, that's a, that's a tweetable tweet or whatever you call X now. Yeah. If it's as Xable, I don't know what you do on yeah. since Elon Musk changed the name of it. So one of the things that has affected our world so much is COVID. You know, I think we all, yeah. we're all moving past it. But in marriages, yeah. people have went through that season of COVID. Um, you work with marriages both on, you know, on, all throughout the spectrum from premarital to marriages in crisis and healthy marriages. And yeah. what changes have you seen, if any, in marriage since COVID? And um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, we all know that co one thing COVID did was with the work dynamic. Um, people were not able to go to work, quarantine was happening. Um, so I want to talk about marriages where there's kids, marriages where some didn't even have kids, the, the dynamic was the same. So you don't get away from one another to, to go to work and then come back home to kids and wife and everything. It's like you're working from home. So I watched a YouTube short, um, and, and this is like out there, it was on BBC, CNN, and this guy is in his like home study, it's Corona, and the kid comes right in the door with one of those like ro the walker sure. roller yeah. things, yeah. And, the, and the nanny comes right in. Like, right. <laughs> and it's like that's I think, but that's the naked and, and the naked, but not ashamed side of marriage is that Corona made people be stuck with each other now. Whether work is happening, it's happening from home. Whether it's you know, so there's no more like in terms of going out. I don't have to see your face until the evening. It's like. We get to do this all day long. Some people lost their jobs. Um, so I think there was, so there's an emotional strain um, that Corona was like a psychological, I mean, it was a virus, but in my mind, it was like half of it was like a psychological, yes, you know, for sure. Uh, for sure. struggle just in terms of the mental shift from, from an economic side, people lost their jobs, um, from companies that just shut down, you know? So that sense of maybe provision and, and, and the thing with marriage, like I said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, well, for richer, for poor means that you can have plenty within the marriage, it's still the marriage. The same, it's the same, it's mm. the same people in the marriage. And you can lose resources, it's the same people in the marriage. So we get even into uh with our premarital couples with the finances and everything, is that the resources you have, it's a hundred percent of what both of you are bringing in. So whether they zero or one thousand percent. So to speak, it's it's you work with that. And I think Corona made that be, which is funny to me because that's what God had intended anyway, was for us to kind of be in the marriage and then do the other stuff outside. But it's always about the marriage, where I think many of us have become so task oriented. It's like the stuff I'm into. Like for me, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm an ordained uh, minister. So I'd want to say, oh, it's kingdom first, kingdom first. But even the churches that I work with, the places I'm preaching and teaching. 
I always come back home to Sarah. So yeah. it's almost like those opportunities are based on my marriage. Mm. Um, and that's what Corona brought back. It's like the foundation is the marriage. And yet it kind of brought some, some, some yeah. nakedness there. It was like, Good word. Yeah, you know, Good word. Yeah, be- Good word. Sarah, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think it's just the same thing. It either it either helped or hurt. It made people who were, you know, it brought more conflict because now we are stuck in the same space. A lot, like you said, the emotional strain yeah. and fear, wondering, uh, you know, how are we going to, especially for husbands, how are we going to provide for our families? What is this going to look like? You know, being stuck in the same space for, for some people, it was a good thing. <laughs> because they needed that time for some people it it brought some realities that i think they were trying to ignore <laughs> you know the escape but i always yes. have an escape and now suddenly i don't have that escape what does that look like so i think yeah. you know we're I, we're, we're going to be talking about covid for a long time i think yeah. and the yeah. ramifications and the <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it I do love travel now, not having to get tests and not have to do all that yes. stuff. But it's still <laughs> the markers in our minds is as you said, Victor, and as you said, Sarah, it's it's still there. And it's still yeah, it's sure. still uh it's like almost like uh post-traumatic stress. You know, it's you went through a yes, stressful time and it, it continues to live live on in mm-hmm. different ways and um yes. how we learn and adapt from that. I think one of the the things in marriage and then in parenting, so I'm going to combine kind of two questions. You know, we've all grew up in families and you talked about our families of origin. Some of our families of origin, we really liked the way our we saw our parents in their marriage. And then there were certain things about our parents' marriage maybe that we didn't want to repeat. Um, and then maybe the way our parents, um, they parented us, they raised their children, some great things, but then some things that really wouldn't, you know, wouldn't go there again. We wouldn't want to do that with our children. How do we navigate those two things where take the positives and then not repeat the things that we've saw, we lived, and we say, hey, we don't want that, but our natural tendency might be to drift towards those things that were maybe not the healthiest. That's kind of a big question, and I'm probably you could have a whole podcast about that, but I'm going to ask you to answer any 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 insights or thoughts on how do we do not repeat the things in our families of origin that maybe weren't the healthiest, both from the marriage side and from the parenting side. This is a huge thing that we focus on and talk on a lot because of what we've already said about, you know, a lot of who we are today comes from what what we've seen modeled, right? And, and and in crisis counseling with couples, we see so much hearing, you know, well, this was the way I was raised. This is the way, you know, sort of as an excuse, like, well, I don't have to do different or be different because you can't blame me because this is how, you know, what happened to me. So we have an an overriding thing that that is sort of our 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 niche thing for TMA, for our, our whole organization, specifically with marriages. And we always say that we know what the number one key is to having a healthy marriage. You know, a lot of people have different different um, ideas. It's good communication. It's trust. It's romance. You know, it's, right. you know, foundation on Christ or whatever. And all those things are good and all those things are important. But if you have good communication without trust or, you know, one without the other, there's an incomplete. So our solution will give you the secret without taking the class is that <laughs> it's the one thing. If you never remember anything else is that you have to be intentional. Hmm. If you want to be good at communicating, you got to be intentional. You yeah. can't just hope that your marriage will work. <laughs> you got to be deliberate about it. 
And so when you look back to now your experiences and your choices and things that from where you've grown up, it's not enough what and what we have seen for so many years. And in fact, even in our own situation, it's not enough to just say, especially with the negative things, I don't want to be like that. You got to take the next step of what does that mean then? Because again, it's my normal. And I'll give a really like real example. If you have a situation and we've had this a lot where there's been um, abuse, you know, we'll have a couple that will come in and say, you know, the wife will say, which by the way, everyone assumes it's always the husband who hits the wife. Not always true. We trust us. We have, but just for the sake of the, of the illustration, we'll have a wife who, who will come and say, I, my husband has, you know, beat me up or something or has been hitting me. And I don't, she'll say, I don't understand why, because he's always told me about his family background and how he saw that in his own family. Maybe his dad was abusive to his mom and he's always said how he doesn't want to be like that. And I don't understand why he's doing the same thing. And we're like, well, that's because that's his normal. He may know that that's not a good thing, but that's the default. And so if he hasn't had taken that time to think through, what am I going to do to be different? There may be these things that are triggers. Maybe anger is a big thing. What am I going to do when that comes along? And I, I want Victor to talk about that too, because even in his own background, he, he, I always say that he is the biggest picture to me of what the grace of God does. And when you choose you know, I know for him that he would say that Christ made all the difference because he doesn't say, he doesn't tell me all the time. Well, you know, like, for example, I love touch is one of my touch and affirmation. I love you and things like that and hugs and, you know, handing, hold, holding hands and things like that is important to me. For him, that wasn't something that was present in his childhood and, and upbringing. I don't complain about, oh, Victor never hugs me. He never affirms me. He is very good about doing that. Why? Because he's been intentional. And also because he's been intentional about asking God for help and seeking counsel and wisdom and examples from other other men and other people as well. So I, I want you to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is too men. This, this is too men. Like just because I'm a man. So just speaking as a man. Um, you can't let your past define you. And, and, and by that, I mean, like, for me coming to Christ, I was the first one in my family, my nuclear family, uh, to explicitly confess Christ. And I, I, I ventured on a journey no one else in my family or in my own experience had gone in a way that I could say, okay, let me follow this. But in terms of growing up with an alcoholic dad and the violence in the home and all of that, that was quote unquote my normal. Uh, I deal with a lot of anger issues and kind of irrational, kind of a choleric kind of bubbly under, it's like just under the waves, there's this anger, this trigger. But I don't think you can just say, well, that's, that's how I was. That's, you know, that's what I came from. So that's me now. And many men, I think we struggle with, with that sense. So for me, it's like, if you come to Christ, you become a new creation. And I think it's a choice. You have to choose the kind of family that you want to build. And I think what I've done is, for me anyway, I've, I've surrounded myself with men who, uh, they can be coaches, they can be mentors, they can be spiritual uh, food for me. 
so that now in this journey of masculinity, I don't have to just, well, this is where I came from. It doesn't have to define me. I can choose. And you can choose to grow every day, small things that you can do. And I think the willingness to change, that's what Sarah sees. Um, and that's what she keeps affirming me. And sometimes I'm thinking from the inside, I'm still growing. Like, But I mean, I grew up in a way that I could easily say, well, I didn't see I didn't see affection. So why should I be affectionate? I told you I loved you on the wedding day. <laughs> like, leave me alone, you know, but but I choose to not be a jerk. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's another that's another tweetable tweet. I choose not to be a jerk. That's a good one yes. too. That's another one. So make the choice today. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one for sure. I got yeah. one more question for you, and then I'm gonna ask if you'll you'll pray for us. Um couples, you part of your ministry and a large part is people that are that are, you minister to those that are in ministry, those that are in leadership, who do they go to? How can how can couples support each other? And how can they f- find that support maybe when they don't feel like there's a place for it? Or you talked about the transparency and vulnerability. Um, sometimes if the man feels, or the woman who, whatever the dynamic is, if they're the, the pastor of the home, then it's hard for them to feel like they can be transparent and vulnerable when they're tr- supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home, if that if that makes sense. That's a, that's a conjecture, but an idea. How can couples support each other that are in those leadership positions spiritual leadership positions, and then how can they maybe, if they can't find it within, how can they find it without? Okay, so I'm going to put the anointing in the center um, that we talked about Adam and Eve, we talked about them coming together for God's purpose. So there's an anointing um, in people called by God. And, and Sarah and I have a passion to ask that question, who ministers to ministers? So the reason why they, there needs to be a minister to a ministry two ministers, um, is that the shepherding level, the counseling level, just the content, the the interactions at that level of anointing um, do not make you superhuman. Yeah. Um, So let me just give like a random example. Pastor comes up, it's Sunday morning. Hey guys, praise the Lord today, I'm going to preach. And then he goes, you know what? I'm supposed to be preaching, but I don't feel like preaching. I'm tired and I hate my wife and my kids suck. (laughs) The whole church will be like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, go get some help. You know, sure. that's TMI. That's like too right. much information for us. Um, that there needs to be a place where the pastor can be a brother in Christ and just share his heart without compromising the anointing. So I think the extreme is that the anointing isn't guarded. There's no counseling. There's no help. There's dysfunction. And an, an entire ministry can crumble from lack of support. Um, so for us, what we like to do is to try and come around the anointing, the place where you can share freely. Um, okay, from our end too, we are we're we're like really I don't know what the word is. Uh, we're really strong on confidentiality. So when they come to talk to us, well, any couple, anything that they share with us, it, it like it stays with us. It's not like information that kind. Of, and we we've seen a lot of mischief in the body of Christ where even um, a word shared or like a struggle shared can become a point of vulnerability, but then if it's put in the wrong hands, then it becomes uh, more damage than healing yeah. and, and accountability. So for me, that's that's what I would say. Is it's always about the anointing. But even at the highest levels of anointing in ministry, there's still a marriage in there. There is Adam and Eve, and they need caring. And also the, the dynamic with ministry sometimes, there's so much ministry happening that it's almost like the marriage becomes like second chair. It's like the first one is, you know, 
and yet the ministry is fed by the marriage. So we try to bring that focus and that balance back to the ministry, back to the couple. You know, I mean, take yes, the ministry is is there, but focus on the marriage and the ministry will grow from you know, as opposed to the other way around, where it's like yeah. ministry, 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 burnout. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. The yeah. problem with with people in ministry and leadership positions is there's so much competition. So mm-hmm. even if you're like you hear of pastors fellowships and stuff like that, those things are great. But I don't know about in the States or other places, but here in Kenya, the typical situation is it's it ends up being a competition, a conversation about my church is bigger than your church and sort of, you know, measuring each other. Sure. Instead of being a healthy place of accountability. And again, that vulnerability. And 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 again, it's there is there is your right to be have that fear that okay, if I share what's going on here, is it gonna be out there? But again, like he said, not nobody is Superman. You cannot stand alone. And yeah. one of the things that a, a couple that um, are longtime friends of our family, um, and they were at one time pastors of a mega church in the U.S., and they had the mm-hmm. the husband who was the senior pastor had a moral failure. It was a big public thing. And they have, God has restored them oh, tenfold. They've written mm-hmm. books. Yeah. They talk about it very openly. And Victor and I had lunch with them several years ago. And there's something he said that was so key. And he said, you know, I regularly taught about the need for accountability and Mm. I thought I was implementing it in my own life. But what he said is I realized that the places where I was trying to be accountable, it was a one way thing, like where I was opening up, but then the other person was like either putting themselves in a position of yes, Right. Not really judgment necessarily, but just sort of like, okay, yes, yeah. thank you for sharing that with me. And he said that he has realized since the need for mutual accountability. Yeah. And so you have to find, even if it's one couple or one person that you can share with, that's our experience for us that that it's there's levels there. Yeah. We have one couple that we meet with monthly and we're kind of on the same level and we share on the same, you know, we're just, this is what we're struggling with. Yeah. And we share in ministry together as well, but that we know that we can, you know, and sometimes it's not us share, it's not us sitting as the four of us talking, but it's the two of us wives are like, Oh, yeah. this has been rough for me this week and the husbands. Yeah. But then we have another level where we have, you know, a sort of like a shepherd and somebody who's sort of a pastor to us that, we can go and be vulnerable with who's yeah. sort of a an, an elder, you know, yeah. like he's older than us. He's yeah. so you have to, you yeah. cannot yeah. do it alone. Yeah. You have to find and ask God for that wisdom. Who are people that we trust? Who is somebody that we can have that place of yeah. vulnerability and pray together and, and just be like, this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's rough. It's not an easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is. It is not easy. I heard um, was listening to a message last night from Francis Chan, and he talked. Yeah. He shares in Scripture, God told us to confess our sins to each other and keeps our keep our act of righteousness secret. And he said, in the world today, we we confess or publicize our acts of righteousness, but we keep yeah. in secret the things that we should be confessing, and just how the world has flipped that. And in, in the church, as you said, if we had people we could confess to and get those things wow. out, and be wow. focused on that rather than when we get together, as you you shared, when we get together, sometimes it becomes a competition of of all the great things that I'm doing. 
But he said, you know, scripturally, it would be the opposite. It would be that we keep those, the things that God's doing is secret, and okay. but confessing our sins to each other because we need that, because we have God for that. But anyway, just to yeah. kind of go to, along that thought. It really challenged me in my personal life yeah. um, because the one to have that ability to confess and to be open and vulnerable and at the same time not feeling like I have to be um, uh, an advertisement for myself and what God's doing in my life. Let him take care of that. But don't mm-hmm. don't feel like I have to be doing it. So anyway, Victor and Sarah, it's been awesome. I could probably go on for a long, long time, um, <laughs> but uh, and continue to talk. But I would like for you to pray for us. Whoever would like to pray, or if you both would like to pray, and that's how we'll that's how we end the podcast today. Okay. Thank, thank you so thank much. You thank you for having us. It's yeah. been an honor. Yeah. All right, that's great, Father. Thank you for a moment like this to just talk about you and talk about your plan for marriages. Uh, from all the way from the beginning of time in Genesis with Adam and Eve, um, Lord, you've wanted us to be one flesh. Mm-hmm. And I just speak life into the marriages that are out there, um, men and women who have uh, joined their lives uh, together to create this new normal, to to seek out Jesus as, as a man and as a woman, but then together in their marriage. Lord, I pray that the giftings that are in these marriages that are represented out there um, will flourish, that the, the talents that you have deposited in them, these marriages where even our children are coming, which in a way is a heritage to these marriages. Lord, may you bless their offspring for generations to come, and Lord, even those who are engaged in ministry, that they would they would be friends and love one another in their marriage and then go out and serve and be salt and light. And so thank you so much for this opportunity to be on this podcast, and Lord, I pray that uh, marriages would always be a reflection mm-hmm. of Jesus and the church and mm-hmm. how you gave up your life for Christ for us. You you died, you know, laid your life down so that we may be here today talking talking about salvation, about your grace and growing with you. And I pray that, Lord, everyone who um, hears this podcast will be enriched and encouraged in their own marriages, in their own, uh, you know, places in their marriages, uh, mm-hmm. stages of life. That, Lord, you speak to them and, and do something new in their lives even now mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.